Amen. Hey, everybody. Glad to be back. We were gone for a couple of weeks, and like Jack said, up, up uh, North County preaching for a friend, and last week took a week off, but want to thank uh, Brittany for preaching and Jim for preaching last week. Come on, give them a hand this morning. Thank God for the Word of God, right? Amen. Thanks, Mario. But I'm excited about being here. We're going to be on a, a series of lessons called Sunday School. We're going to go back, and we're going to look at six Old Testament uh, stories that I grew up with in church. I heard about in church. I was raised in a Christian home. Kimberly was as well. Uh, so these stories are going to be familiar, uh, very familiar to me. And if you've been in church, they're going to be familiar to you. But I know a lot of people in the room today and online as well don't have the same experience or haven't had the same experience that I have had being raised in that environment. But what's going to happen is you're going to get a chance to know God or you're going get, to get a chance to know God better through these stories. Um, it, it's, it's incredible that we have uh, uh, detailed accounts about what God did with people who trusted him from thousands of years ago. Pretty amazing. In this book called the B-I-B-L-E. Come on, somebody. That's the book for me. Come on, anybody, anybody raised in church? I stand alone. Come on, help me out. Uh, come on, anybody else been raised in church? The B-I-B-L-E, yeah. Yeah, we used to sing that in Sunday school. And, and so for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at, there's so many Old Testament stories, but I've picked three that in, in, in concerning this series are just big Bible stories that I want you to get. Uh, we're going we're gonna to break down uh, this one story in, in a moment. Uh, what we're going to do is we, we won't read the entire account because it, it's, it's quite lengthy, but it's going to be one that maybe you haven't read in the Bible, but you've seen it uh, at home. Uh, 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 it was on TV years ago, part of the story with an old school actor who's now dead called Charlton Heston called The Ten Commandments. Anybody remember that movie? Uh, but but this brother was was uh, you know uh, the actor for Moses and uh, uh, I just want to encourage you that if you've heard these stories before, what what the tendency will be for you will be to disconnect and I'm praying and asking that you don't disconnect and for you that these stories are new, I'm praying that you will lean in and you will glean truth from these scriptures for the next several, several weeks. I'm going to ask you to do something that I haven't asked you to do before, but I'm going to ask it during these six weeks. Here's what I'm going to ask you every single week. I'm going to ask you to read a certain amount of Bible all week, all week. And if you don't do it, uh, the lights are going to go off in your house. Your refrigerator is going to stop. No, it's not. Come on, that's a curse. That's not going to happen. But I'm asking you to do this every single week. And here's my ask already. We're going to read from this Old Testament encounter in the book of Exodus. What we're going to be talking about today is Moses and the Red Sea. And every week I'm going to give you a a big theme. I'm going to give you a lesson that we're going to learn, a lesson we're going to hear about. And so this week it's going to be Moses and the Red Sea. And the lesson we're going to learn is this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to ask you, and I am asking you, to put your other Bible reading down. If you're a Bible reader, I'm asking you to put down your reading through the Bible this week, if that's what you do. If you are in the book of Psalms, I'm going to ask you to stop reading Psalms. 
If you're reading the book of Ephesians, I'm going to ask you to stop reading the book of Ephesians. If you're not reading anything, I'm going to ask you to read what I'm going to ask you to read. I'm asking our entire church, starting today, to read this week Exodus 1 through Exodus 14. 14 chapters. Now, some of you are already sweating right now. 14 chapters. Listen to me. Easily, you could read seven chapters tonight before you go to bed. And you could read chapters 8 through 14 on Monday. And then on Tuesday, read Exodus 1 and 7 again. And on Wednesday, read chapters 18 and 14 through 14. And then on Thursday, read chapter 1 through 7. And then on Friday, read chapters 18 through 14. And then on Saturday, read chapters 1 through 7 again. You could easily do that. Now, if you can, if that's too much, if that's too much, I'm asking you to read chapter 1 and chapter 2 today. And chapter 3 and chapter 4 tomorrow. And you get the picture. But I'm asking everybody in the room to put down your current Bible reading and read this. And if you're not reading, I'm asking you that you begin reading, listen to me, how I say this, God's word to you this week. We're going to read this story. We haven't got time to read 14 chapters, but I'll try to paraphrase some of it just very, very quickly. But as you read this week, you are going to be alarmed and astounded at how amazing God really is. You're going to come to this event in Exodus chapter 14, and you're going to remember some of the details I give you this morning, and you are going to just be cheering and shouting, and whenever you come to a Red Sea, you're going to be able to do exactly what Moses did, and you're going to be able to lift up your hand and shout, that thing's moving in Jesus' name. Can I get a better amen up in the house? Yeah. So if you have read this portion, if you haven't, let me just kind of like talk to you about the story just a little bit. There's so many details and nuances. We can't tell you everything in the length of time we have this morning, but enough to whet your appetite and hopefully you take the plunge and begin reading this week. Moses was, was raised in Pharaoh's court for the first 40 years of his life. Then he ran after he killed a man. You'll read it this week. He winds up in the desert, he winds up being joined to this man named, named Jethro, and he winds up being a shepherd, and while he's on the backside of the desert, <laughs> in exile if you, if you could believe, God speaks to him out of this burning bush, and God calls to him to be a deliverer for the nation of Israel, because they were in bondage, Israel was, to the Egyptians. They were making all their things, and Pharaoh was hard on them and, and, and hurting them, and, 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 and there was just a wicked time. And God was going to use him to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt and bring them into a land called the land of promise, the land of milk and honey, the land of abundance, the land that was going to be theirs. That was God's plan and God's assignment for their life. But, but if you know the story, Pharaoh said, pardon me, but what the hell are you doing here, Moses? I ain't letting nobody go. Y'all are my slaves. You try to leave, big deal. We'll kill you till you stop. That was the pressure that was put on them. 
and the people were, were being swayed, if you will, between believing this guy called Moses and seeing all the problems and difficulties that they were dealing with under Pharaoh. Well, God said, I, I've got a caveat for you, Moses. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you know that I'm with you. And so I, I, put, your, put your hand in your, in your cloak and, and take it out. And his hand was leprous instantly. And he said, put it back in there and take it out. And he put it back in and his hand was beautiful again. And he said, that rod that's in your hand, throw it down. And he threw it down and it became a serpent. And he said, pick it up by the tail. And he picked it up and it became a, a, a rod again. And he said, Moses, listen, I'm with you, buddy. You can trust me. And it's one thing for you to have an encounter with God, but it's a whole other thing for somebody who hasn't had that encounter to believe that you had that encounter. But that's where trust, the people had to trust Moses, and yet it didn't end there. Because God said, here's what's going to happen when he goes to talks to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And he says, I ain't letting nobody go. And then we find out that there was 10 plagues that God rained on Egypt, rained on Pharaoh to loosen his grip on the people. The last one was called the death of the firstborn. After these nine plagues, God said, I'm done. I'm raising the ante. What's going to happen now? If he doesn't let you go, the death of the firstborn child will die in Egypt and the death of the firstborn animal. And the God said, we're going to make a difference here. We're going to take, you know, I want you guys to have Passover. I'm going to pass over your house and I'm going to afflict their house. But here's how I will know that you are who you say you are. I'm asking you to kill a sheep, kill a lamb, take the blood, put it on the doorposts of your house. And when the death angel sees that, he will pass over you and you will not be harmed. Hence the word Passover, which is our communion, which is our type of cross where the blood of Jesus now is shed for us. Somebody give me an amen in the room. God was baiting Pharaoh. He was baiting Pharaoh. And I want you to see this today and I want you to get it today because it's strong in my heart is that as Pharaoh's heart kept getting harder and harder and harder concerning as plague went on and plague went on and plague went on and his fists kept getting tighter and tighter and, and, and more, more aggressive and more aggressive, God was going to use, listen to me, the people of Israel as bait for Satan. Listen to me, listen to me clear. God will use you and I as bait to demonstrate God's power and authority in this earth. He doesn't remove all obstacles from your life. He doesn't remove all pain and difficulty from your life. He doesn't even remove tragedy always from your life. But if you will stick with God, he will use you for his glory. He will allow you to see the hand of God constantly, constantly in your life. Psalm chapter 78, verse 2 through 4. Why do we teach this? Why do we speak this? Why am I, why am I passionate about bringing you these Old Testament stories? Here in Psalm 78, verse 2, the psalmist says this, I will speak to you a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories, listen, stories, 
Not, not made up stories, real stories that our ancestors handed down. Verse four, we will not hide these truths from our children. We'll tell them about the next generation, about the glorious deeds of our Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Listen, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna tell, tell our children about these things. The, these things need to be passed down that as God was faithful with them, God's gonna be faithful with you. He is the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and David and Daniel. Come on, somebody. He's faithful. You've got to read it. You've got to believe it. You've got to talk about it with your family. He goes on to say in verse five, check it out, verse five. He issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them, teach these stories to your children so that the next generation might know them. If we don't tell the next generation about how good God is, They'll think he's some wimp. They'll think he's some fictional character. They'll think that he's made up somewhere. No, no, no. He's Lord God Almighty, the one who is and was and is to come. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you read in the Bible what he did then, he wants to do for you and your family today. Man, that they would in turn teach their own children so that each generation should set its hope anew on God. Set your hope anew on God. Set your hope anew on God. Not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. My Lord and my God. Your and my job is to not forget the history of God's faithfulness and his goodness in your life. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget his faithfulness. Don't forget his goodness. Don't forget what he's done in your own life. And, and listen to me. I, I know I'm coming from a different side of the table maybe than you. I, I'm 62. I've been raised in church all my life. I, I left God for a minute, but, but, I, but I was always around just, just you know, at ear's length, if you will. So I've heard these stories. I've believed these stories. I've seen miracles. I've seen people get off drugs. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen bodies healed. I've seen God work, work crazy miracles in people. I've seen the power of God. I've read the Old Testament stories. I believe these. And if you're not on that same page with me right now, what's going to happen this week is you read Exodus 1 through 14, you're going to get on the same page as me. Because you're going to read it. And you're going to start seeing that God was faithful there and he's going to be faithful to me. He's not forgotten me, even though it might seem like those brothers and sisters were in bondage. Check it out for 430 years. I don't know how long you've been dealing with what you've been dealing with. I don't know how long the pain and the darkness and the fear and all the, all the, all the negativity has been going on around. But listen to me, in just a moment, God can wipe out the enemy in your life. Come on, somebody. So nine plagues, and then the tenth plague, the, 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 the death angel came in, and that was the, the, the straw, we could say, that broke the camel's back, and Pharaoh let them go. Let's pick up the story in Exodus 14. He lets them go, but he had then, after that, letting go remorse. <laughs> pick it up in Exodus 14, verse 5. Now it was told the king, this is Pharaoh, that the king of Egypt, that the people had fled, the Israelis had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we 
done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Why did we do that? We're going after him. He, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. They, they left and they were going into the wilderness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea of Pi, that word, and before that word. Verse 10. <laughs> well, you read it. <laughs> you read it this week. And when, <laughs> so ha ha on you. Okay, so, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes. So, so, so they're walking. They, they went out three days. They're walking. All of a sudden, they look back and go, we see dust coming. We're, we're hearing rumblings. They lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And so they were, say it with me, very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, check it out. Because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Hmm. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? Can I tell you what? If you've been in bondage so long, you get comfortable being in bondage. You're in a bad marriage, you just dance around being a bad marriage instead of saying, hmm, we have no bad marriage around here no more. Because guess what? Bad brother is getting ready to be love brother. I'm going to work on me. Hey, you know, kids, I know we've been this. Well, no, no, we're changing this stuff around here. Hey, you know, body, I know this is what has been going on, and my words have been anti against the word of God. I'm going to get the word of God in me. I'm going to trust God. I'm maybe going to eat a little bit. I'm going to exercise a little bit, but I'm going to renew my mind to the word of God, and by your stripes, I am healed. I'm going to trust the word. Come on, somebody. Hmm. They say, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should have been dead in the wilderness. Wow. And Moses said to the people, read it out loud with me. Come on, one, two, three. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, come on, somebody yell it out. You shall see again no more. My, 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 my. Your problem, that's today, you're not going to see anymore. God's going to change the way you see what you see. I'm going to remove the problem from you. So he just says, the Lord is going to fight for you. You just go ahead and stand still. Hold your peace. In other words, he's just saying, shut your mouth up right now. Just shut up right now. Shut up the way you've been talking right now. God is going to fight for you. Come on, tell your neighbor, God's going to fight for me. Come on, just tell him, God's going to fight for me. Now, here's what goes on. You're going to read the story if you keep reading through that. All of a sudden, the Bible says that God was leading them by a cloud. The cloud that was in front of them went to the backside of them. God manifesting himself in a cloud, protecting them. Come on, you talk about, they, they, they were walking out in the wilderness, and I don't know if they were sweating. I don't know, if, I don't, I don't, I don't know what was going on with those brothers, but they, they, weren't, they weren't probably sweating all up. Because God was giving them, come on, like AC out there in the wilderness. 
the cloud went behind them to shield them from their enemy. The Bible says it brought light to them, the nation of, of Israel, but it brought darkness to Pharaoh. They couldn't, they, they couldn't see nothing, couldn't even see the hand in front of them. Already, God was showing the nation of Israel, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm giving you a sign here. Can I tell you something that always astounds me is that God knows exactly where your enemy is. God, listen, the enemy, whatever's risen up in your life, it hasn't caught God by surprise. It hasn't caught, caught God off, you know, uh, 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 alarmed. God knows exactly what's going on in your life. God knows exactly the difficulty in the season that you're in right now. And God's trying to encourage you. You're not alone. I am with you. Come on. I, do not be afraid. I am with you. I'm with you. Fear has a way of paralyzing you that brings you to inactivity. And so uh, if you're in a place right now that you are, you are not moving forward in the direction God has for your life, maybe the root of that is that you are and giving yourself over to just being afraid. I'm afraid to try. I'm afraid to move forward. I'm afraid to take that class. I'm afraid to get involved in church. I'm afraid to go through growth track. I'm af afraid to go to a small group. Well, listen, fear will paralyze you and keep you limited, and God's trying to constantly free us from fear. Don't be afraid. God then told Moses, as they come, if you, know, if you read and you kind of do a little bit of search, how God led them through the wilderness <laughs> was on point to bring them actually to the Red Sea, a place where there is no other option, a place where there is no other opportunity for deliverance. You've got mountains on one side, you've got a sea in front of you, and you've got the enemy coming from your rear. You have nowhere else but to trust God. But the people are complaining. The people are saying, you brought us out here to kill us. We should have just been back. It was, it was just as good back there. We could have served them the rest of our life and died in Egypt. All the while, God's given them a promise to be in this land, a new land for themselves. But, 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 but being in that bondage, being in that, in that difficult season for such a long time, you just get used to hearing shackles chained to your feet. Just get used to it. Just get, man, don't get used to being in something the word of God says I've freed you from. So God tells Moses, Moses, here's what I want you to do. Quit crying to me. Quit complaining to me. You know that rod I gave you? Lift it up over the sea. Take the rod and lift it over your impossibility. Take God's word, the type of rod, lift it up over your situation and let it and speak the word of God. And when he did that, the Bible says God began blowing on the Red Sea. God began blowing on it and it began parting and it parted all night long. And the Bible says, the people, God says, now I want you to walk across the Red Sea. Now you would think, after being succumb and surrounded and it's water, that they begin sinking. But the Bible says the land, the ground that they were standing on was actually dry. You can walk in the midst 
of this situation that seems impossible. And there have been all kind of crazy people that have said all kind of crazy stuff concerning this, that, that, that God, God, God blew this little bit of water that was just, you know, ankle deep, and, and they went across on ankle deep water. And if you believe all that crazy stuff that theologians or you know, crazy theologians or philosophers will tell you, then let me ask you a question. How would they drown in ankle deep water? The enemy drowned. The Bible says that they went across that, 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 that water, that Red Sea. And as they walked across that Red Sea, again, the word is, don't be afraid. God's fighting for you. And, and as you're walking in it, and, and it's different, and it's new, and it's, I've never been here before. And, and all of a sudden, you're looking up, and it's, the water's just con congealed. I don't know, 50, 60, 100 feet high? I don't know, 200 feet high? And the water's congealed on both sides and, and you and, and upwards of 600,000, a million people are walking across as God's breath is blowing and, and you're feeling the breath of God blowing and keeping the waters back. Let me tell you, let me tell you, God can be seen. God can be experienced. God sometimes can be felt. He can be felt. Right there in your prayer time, right in your alone time, just the presence of God just, just comes on you. Man, I know my own life, and I'm sure that everybody in the room that's been following God for a minute, that has come to situations where fear just tries to grip you, and, and now you have a choice. What, what am I going to do? What, what, am I going to let this dominate me? Am I going to let this control me? And, and remember, remember, the, these people have litany of, of seeing these, these miracles, these ten plagues, and then they come to the Red Sea, and still they want to go back. Still their heart's not completely turned towards God because fear just gripped them. Let me encourage you. You can overcome any fear by choosing what to focus on. I, 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 I'm making up my mind. I'm not going to choose to focus. I, I got to look at it, the doctor's report. I, I got to look at all these pills I got to take every day. I, I got to. These right now are keeping me alive. I, I got to look at my checkbook. I, I got to look at the marriage. I got I to realize this is where we're at. But if I allow fear to dominate me and look only at what I see in the natural, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss the supernatural thing. I'm, I'm going to miss what God's doing right now. I'm going to miss that even in my life right now, this Red Sea that looks impossible and it seems like the enemy's all around me. I'm going to miss seeing God work a miracle in my life. And what's amazing, listen to me. Even if you have seen God work in these plagues and he's changed, he's worked here, he's worked here, he's worked here. Still today, can I tell you, as a 62-year-old dude that's been serving God full-time now for 42 years, I can tell you every single day, I still got to make up my mind, I'm going to choose God. I'm going to choose God. I'm going to choose God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to forgive. I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to take the high road. Come on, somebody. Every single day, you're going to have to make up your mind, I will not 
fear. I'm going to not be afraid in this situation. I'm going to trust God again. Can someone just clap real loud and say, amen, that's me. Yeah, that's just me. Yeah. 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 Man, I love this scripture, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8. Check this out. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, or the woman, and whose hope is in the Lord. Notice trust in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. And then he goes on to say this. He says, goes on, for he shall be like a tree. That person, you hope in the Lord, you trust in the Lord. You'll be like a tree. What? Planted by the waters. Waters in the Bible talk about the life of God, talk about the Holy Spirit, talk about being in the things of God. You'll be like a tree if you hope and you trust in God. You're going to be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. Listen, will not fear, not if heat comes, when heat comes. Listen to me. Heat's coming, baby. Every single week, 24-7. Heat's going to come to your marriage. Heat's coming to your kids. Hey, High school students, college students, heat's coming. Heat comes in your relationships. Heat tries to come in your, in, in your body. Heat tries to come to your mind. Heat, try, heat will always come. But the Bible says who you trusting in, who you hoping in, where you at, where, where are your roots? Will not fear when heat comes, but this person's leaf will be green. I love it. And will not be anxious, will not be fearful in the year of drought. Come on, somebody, a year of drought. A COVID of drought. A year of inflation. A year of maybe recession. A year of a bad report from the doctor. He won't be anxious in a year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. My, 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 my. So where you're planted determines what you're receiving. Will you be planted by the river? Will you be planted along the authority of the word of God? Will you be planted in God's life, in God's way? So when the heat comes, the heat's coming. When the heat comes, my roots have already been there and they will continue to continually to draw water from who God is and what God is and what the word of God has said. And my life will not wither. I will not be afraid in a time of heat. And all God's people said, amen. Over and over in the Bible, when you read the Bible, the story of how God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt is mentioned in portion over and over and over. It's in the book of Psalms, everywhere. It's even in the New Testament. I'll talk about it in a minute. But there's a scripture I found years ago in Psalm 77, verse 19 through 20, that helped me immensely deal with situations even in my own life, and I hope it speaks that way to you today. The psalmist, remembering Moses and the Red Sea and the people, it says this, your way was in the sea. Stop right there. They came to the sea. It's covered. There's no way. Oh, there's no bridge. There's no boats. There's no way. The enemy's coming. I've got mountains. All, I, the only option is I'm going through this situation. But the word of the Lord 
is God's way was in the sea. Not around the sea, not over the sea, in the sea. Your path in the great waters and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Your way, your path, your footsteps, you led them through their problem. You led them, there was a way they couldn't see, there was a path that was already there, but the water just wasn't parted yet. So now, my job is to trust God. My job is to hope in God. My job is to not be anxious. My job is to take my eyes and focus them on Exodus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, all week long so that my eyes and my heart gets enlarged to say, you led them, you were there with them, you never left them, you're not gonna leave me. There's a way, there's a path, there's a plan, there's a step, and you're gonna show me. Come on, somebody say amen. The Apostle Paul picks up this same story, this same event, as he writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And he says this, that the baptism, he calls that the people that went through the Red Sea, like a baptism, that's the word he uses, that we are now just like they went through the Red Sea, when you give your life to Jesus, you're now baptized into Christ, a type of salvation. Think with me. They were saved from their enemy. Listen to me. Here's the picture. Pharaoh was the devil. The devil was coming after them. They went through the Red Sea, and the scripture says God, as they went through, drowned Pharaoh and the armies. You and I, now, do not need to be afraid in this life. We give our life to Jesus. We pass through the Red Sea. We go through the difficulty. We go through and we say, yes, I trust in Jesus. And guess what he does? He crushes the enemy's influence in your life forever and ever and ever. Can you say amen? You do not need to be afraid to believe God. You do not need to be afraid to walk in this thing called salvation. I think so many Christians, they, 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 they give their life to Jesus, but they still believe that the enemy is there and has a power and authority over their life. If God killed Pharaoh physically, listen to me, it's a picture that God has flicked out Satan in your life. He is, has no more authority in your life. Listen to me. It is gone, gone, gone. Now my sin is dead and gone. And I say, hallelujah. Anybody remember that song we sang a minute ago? Come on. Done, done, done. Whatever we sang. Y'all get it. Come on. So remember, 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us 
a spirit of fear. But what? A power. Love. I got to get my mind in the game. We're going to get our mind in the game this week. We're going to read the Bible. Come on, somebody. We're going to get our mind in the game. John writes this. The Apostle John writes this in 1 John chapter 4. It's a phenomenal scripture. This is the, the beloved Apostle John who they, they, they tried to kill and he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos and he, he gets this revelation of Jesus and he's get these beautiful letters about how much God loves us. And he says this, there is no fear in love. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. I don't care how, many, how long you've been dealing with what you've been dealing with. You don't have to be afraid. God brought you through the Red Sea. You've given your heart to Jesus. And if you haven't, we're going to pray today that he does. That the enemy is completely defeated and utterly, utterly cast out of your life. That the Bible says this, that when, when Pharaoh was chasing after the nation of Israel, it, 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 you'll read it this week in chapter 14. It says God began fighting for the people of Israel. And he began messing with the chariot wheels of the Egyptians and took their wheels off. And they began falling off the chariots and the people began going, the same God who worked those other plagues, he's doing it again. And they were freaking out. And then God just completely spoke a word or quit breathing. And the seas came crashing down on Pharaoh and all those guys. And the nation of Israel, maybe some of y'all go crazy this week and read chapter 15. Because chapter 15 is when Miriam got her tambourine and went, Woo, hallelujah, we're having, a, we're having a Holy Ghost party up in here now. We're going to sing and praise God. And they were shouting all the while. Listen to me. Let's go back to that scripture. 1 John chapter 4. No fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. What, what casts out fear? Come on, say it with me, church. What casts out fear? Per perfect love. Listen to me. Faith doesn't cast out fear. What casts out fear? What's that mean? I'm not going to be afraid. God loves me. God, God loves me. God might have brought you to the Red Sea, listen to me, to use you as a trophy and a display of God's goodness and God's power and God's authority. Let God use your life as a display of how good he is. Fear involves torment, but he, who's made, he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If I still got fear in my life, still got anxiety in my life, still don't know what God's done, even though I can see he, he's helped me here, he's helped me here. And, and if you don't have, maybe you don't have a track record yet. Maybe you can't go back. You, you, you go back to Exodus 1. You, you go back to these stories that we read from Psalm 78, these stories that are to tell you from generation to generation. And you tell your kids, this is what God's done. This is what God's going to do again. This is just who he is. So I'm not going to be afraid. Because the same God that loved them is the same God that loves me and my family. Listen, you can walk out of whatever you're walking into. Whatever you're in right now. Whatever, whatever, whatever God's brought, bringing you into right now. He's called you, that you walk in it, you walk out of it with the very power of God. He's not going to bring you into a Red Sea and 
cast the waters on you. He's not forgotten you. He's not, he's not forsaken you. Man, I was just thinking this past week. I'm going to close right here, but just listen to me. Lean in for just a second. All the plagues, all those ten plagues, we could summarize like this. God did this. Water to blood. God did this. Locusts came out. The lice came out. God did this. Fiery hail came down. Frogs were everywhere. God did this. Listen to me. The people didn't have to believe one thing. God said, I'm going to show my strength. I'm going to show my power. I'm going to show and demonstrate to Pharaoh who God really is. But listen, it all changed at the Red Sea. Now God wasn't just going to do it. Yeah, yeah, he blew the water back. But now the people got to act on what God said. I got to walk through this thing. I got to trust God. I didn't have to trust God with the frogs. Don't got to trust God with fiery hail. I don't got to trust God with locusts or lice. That's all on him. Now God says, those days are over. Now you're going to have to not be afraid and you're going to have to walk in the middle of this situation trusting me. Don't be afraid. Psalm 91 says, don't be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that walks in darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand shall not come near you. You don't have to be afraid. These stories tell us over and over about how big your God is, how great your God is. And we find out, as we read already, these people weren't perfect people. They didn't have their theology all right. <laughs> these people were going to Moses. We should have just stayed back there and just died. We're content not being who God wants us to be. And God says, I'm not, that, that's not what we want. I'm going to shake you. I'm going to show you who I am. We're going to break the power of the enemy off your life. You're coming through this Red Sea, a type of baptism into Christ, type of giving your life to Christ. You're coming on a changed person. My prayer is that for these next six weeks, when we wind up on week seven and come back, <laughs> that you say, whew, I've been reading the Bible like I never have. I've been reading these stories. I'm becoming changed. I'm trusting God like I've never trusted God. I'm hoping in God like I've never hoped in God. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, pixie dust, Disneyland, all my red seas are gone. No, 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 no. Guess what God says? We probably, can I, can I just be honest with you? Most of your red seas don't vanish, but God says, I'm going to let you walk through it. I'm going to use you in your faith. I'm going to use you. You're going to get stronger in the middle of your trial, and I'm going to demonstrate to the world how good I am. Can somebody say amen? Can you get a better amen in the house? Can we say praise the Lord? I think it was Corey Ten Boom said this, a sister, man, a dear saint years and years ago. I think it was her that said this. You never have to be afraid to trust 
an unknown future to a known God. You never have to be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I I don't know what's going to happen out there, but I know who I trust. I don't know how this whole thing's going to get unraveled. I don't know how it's going to get raveled back. I don't know, but I know who I trust. So my eyes and my focus and my attention and my direction is going to be in the word of God. I'm going to say, you did it then, you're going to do it again. So every day, my hope and my expectation is going to be on God. And as my hands are raised, the roots of my life are going deep, Jeremiah 17, into the river of living water. And they're drawing resources and spirit and strength from God that's going to help me. And when when the heat comes, I will still be bearing fruit. Still to declare that the Lord is righteous. Anybody else like that in the room? Come on, shout amen one more time. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes. Give everyone the right to privacy in the room. Father God, today we just thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your your faithfulness, oh God, in our lives. We just thank you, Father God, that as the words are coming alive in us, coming, coming true to us today, Lord God, I thank you for revelation. I thank you for inspiration. I thank you that we're going to hear these scriptures and these stories like never before. Father, I pray for everyone in the room that doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior online. Today's a day that's going to be a change. Those that maybe have known you, that have maybe walked away, today's a day they're walking back. Today's a day that they're hearing again that the same God who worked then is alive and working today. Father, so we pray right now for every person in the room that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, their hearts being directed to you their hearts being directed to you. An awakening is happening. An awakening to who God is, who Jehovah is. God Almighty, you're alive today. With so much destruction and despair, we're people that we need a savior. We need God. So all over this room, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior online as well, or maybe you're in the room and and you have known him, but you've walked away. Today's the day. I'm praying that you'd come back. How do you do that? The scripture is very clear. You make a decision by saying a prayer in your heart to give your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The prayer is a beginning. The prayer is not a get out of hell free card. Now your life requires attention, direction towards God. It's the beginning of a life that will continually turn towards him. If you're in the room, if you're online, you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You've never surrendered your life to him, never asked him to be Lord of your life. I'm asking that you do it today. What we do right now while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, no one looking around, give everyone the right to privacy in the room. I'm going to count to three. You want to be included in this prayer? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. We're going to say a prayer out loud. You won't be alone. And we're going to make Jesus the Lord of our life. That's symbolizing and that's saying yes to him and no to everything else. Doesn't mean you're perfect. He takes us as imperfect people and he begins working his perfect work of love and righteousness in us. He's just asking you to turn to him today. 
The proof of his love for you and me is Jesus on the cross. God became man and suffered and took you in my place so that now we could go through that Red Sea of baptism into Christ, making Jesus Lord of our life and the enemy of our soul, Satan himself, be destroyed forever and ever. The, the hold, the authority, the power over our life is now broken. So if you want to be included in that prayer, when I count to three, just raise your hand all over the room. Come on, one, two, three. All over the room, lift your hand. Awesome. Thank you. Two hands over there. Awesome. Any more? Any more? Thank you for your boldness. Awesome. You two that raised your hand, I'm going to ask that you pray this out loud. We are all going to pray with you, but I'm asking you that you mean it in your heart. You at home, if you raised your hand, you include in this prayer as well. You pray this out loud. Church, repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in Jesus' name. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. So I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth, God raised Jesus from the dead. Be my Lord, be my Savior forever and ever. I repent. I change my mind and I change my direction. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Come on, stand up, everybody. Let's give them a hand that prayed that prayer. That's our custom around here. We just shout and we clap real big and we say amen and amen. Come on, everybody. Don't get tired of that. Amen and amen.